Hi, everyone, and welcome to Murder and Merlot. We are a true crime book club podcast. I'm your host, Tara. And I'm your host, Michelle. How's it going, Michelle? Oh, it's going pretty good. How are you? Oh, good. Um, I haven't died yet in any storms, although had a close call. You tried. Tried. <laughs> yes. Uh, remember when we talked about a tree was going to fall on our house and kill me? Well, a tree did fall on my house, uh, but I'm still here, so it's all good. <laughs> and you said you had a lightning strike too, right? It did. So, well, I guess it was Friday night uh, and we were having an insane storm. It was very crazy. And Wiley and I were laying in bed like, oh shit, it's getting pretty real outside. And uh, the wind is blowing our trailer, but then the whole thing just moved like it's never moved before. And we're like, oh "Oh boy. (laughs) Yeah. Something big just hit our trailer. So we go out, we look around. Uh, It's still pretty bright outside. The moon must've been, must've been a full moon. Uh, So we could see outside pretty well. Everything's blowing completely sideways. Like it was wild. The trees, grass, rain, leaves, everything sideways but we couldn't see anything, like no trees around, like the windows we could see. So we're like, well, that's really weird. We looked at the front window, there was a branch on the ground, but I'm like, oh, that little branch would not move the trailer like it moved. And then so I peek out my front blinds where my deck is and there's something waving right in front of the window, Ah. which is like my (laughs) biggest fear ever is looking out a window and seeing something right on the other side. Well, that's what happened, Yeah, but it was a tree. Uh, so yeah, a tree fell on our house, but fortunately it was on the deck portion of our house. So it kind of Thank goodness. caught the blow and then it hit the rest of our house, but it didn't cause any damage. So that was good. That's good. Uh, so then we decided to pack up camp because, you know, the big trees are right by our bedroom and we, yeah, figured the living room was more safe. So we rolled out our swag, which is a giant like Australian sleeping bag and it's the best thing ever. I love it. It's heavy duty. You can sleep outside. You can sleep anywhere with it. It's the best. So we just rolled out our swag in the living room. And then we brought Hank inside and he slept on the couch, which was so fun. Had a little sleepover. A little family party. (laughs) It was so cute. But Hank was like laying on the couch staring at us because he's never seen us sleep before, right? (laughs) You know, like never been in our house. He's never like laid down with us or slept with us. So he just pretty sure he just stared at us all night and he was like what are you doing (laughs) well doing they're just laying on the ground not moving like he was so concerned but anyway so we're trying to sleep in the living room and the lightning was just going crazy uh and then everything lit up like brighter than daylight and it sounded like firecrackers it was like pop 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 and then just oh my god we don't know what it hit but it hits like it felt like it hit the house but it was must have been right beside the house it didn't wreck anything but it's so lucky you guys didn't have a fire i know i've <laughs> never heard anything like that like i've never heard that fire cracking sound before from lightning it was wild like it must have been whatever the lightning hit like it wasn't thunder it was whatever the lightning hit made that crazy like exploding sound oh. crazy so so it was a very interesting night yeah and then we got a storm again last night that like the most incredible lightning storm i've ever seen yeah, it was it was really cool from my place. It was beautiful. It was yeah, it was beautiful. I was just looking south towards town and all I could see was like lightning flickering like crazy, like just constant, but there was no noise at all. It was just like 
peaceful and frogs croaking, but like the craziest lightning show ever. Yeah. So it was like we had really some cool. some thunder in town, but it was just like low rumbles and it was just like for the amount of lightning that was there, there should have been way more thunder. But there like the wind wasn't blowing, like it was so bizarre, so, but beautiful. But, yes. But then it did hit. We did get a crazy mm-hmm. hail storm at our place. I know you guys didn't, but yeah. We we got the hail, but it was not as bad as Calgary. No, Calgary got the shit kicked out of them. Yeah. So, yeah, if anybody's out in Calgary, I hope everything's okay with you guys because, damn, Mother Nature pretty much said, fuck you. She was angry. I know. Yeah. I, I texted my family in Calgary. I was like, you okay? And they're like, yep, all good in the hood. <laughs> That's one of my favorite things. All good in the hood. Uh, yep. <laughs> yeah, that was crazy. All the siding just taking off the houses and crazy flooding, like people driving flash through. flooding in your foot, man. Oh my insane. god. Yeah, it's just like vehicles just disappeared, and then there's just like a mile of just straight vehicles going. Like, what? What do we do now? We're stuck. Yep. It's we yeah. live here now. Yep. So. Yep. So that was wild. That was our. That's yeah. our. Our weather update for today. Yeah. The Alberta Alberta girl weather update. Yep. <laughs> Another offshoot of our of our podcast is gonna right. Be, yeah, going to be just weather talk. Yes. Mm-hmm. Why not? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we launched our HH Homes Devil in the White City episode. Yeah, I was happy with that, and I think I actually enjoyed yeah. the the case now more than I did before. But after oh, we recorded. I think I, I, I enjoyed like, it more. I was like a little bit more like, you know, posting on Instagram, like, okay, yeah, I'll talk about this now. <laughs> yeah, well, that's good. Well, that means I did my job well then, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. I love it. Yeah. And we've had some good responses, I think, so far. So yeah, I just, I think the devil in the white city is so fascinating to me because our experience versus other people's experience with the book is so drastically different. I like, know. My, uh, my mom was even saying, she was talking to somebody and she's like, oh yeah, my daughter has this podcast and they're just doing the, the Devil in the White City. And the person she was talking to, she's like, oh, I love that book. And she's like, interesting. Yeah, <laughs> like, I hear so. a, a lot of that. Well, I've heard mixed reviews. I've heard some people, I don't know, it sounds more like negative when they've talked about it on like Instagram and stuff. But for the most part, I've just seen overall really good things. Like people are like, oh, mm-hmm. it's so fascinating. I learned so much. And I was just like, oh, okay. We just, we I, just have different did, things and that's fine. I did learn a lot from it. I learned a lot more history things mm-hmm. and like obscure things that came from the fair. Like one of the things that I retained was that that's where spray paint was made was at the World's Fair. Yeah. Or Juicy you know? Fruit was started there and everybody's like, what is this weird flavor? I kind of right? like it. I know. Yeah, so weird. So yeah, now I got weird tidbits in my head of information, but I, know. I didn't really need to know that stuff. We're going to turn into our fathers in like 30 years down the road. We'll be like, ah, did you know in 1893? Well, we, we already have our mother's anxiety, so why not take our father's history knowledge? <laughs> right? <laughs> and I was, I was laughing because I'm watching American Horror Story and there was a reference to the World's Fair like this guy's like yeah there was a butcher in 1893 World's Fair and then you know there's this whole thing about hey piggy piggy you should look it up it's weird but I was like I'm like hitting my husband I was like oh World's Fair and he's like okay (laughs) that's nice am I supposed to know what that means (laughs) oh he knows (laughs) 
<laughs> Wiley doesn't get any of this information because he does not care. Even if does doesn't care, I mean, he still oh, gets that he doesn't care, but he has to hear it. <laughs> He's basically the only adult I see now, so fair enough. You just yeah, have to like unless I'm talking to you. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Sometimes you just have to mind dump, even if the person doesn't listen or doesn't care. You just gotta say the things. Exactly. And we had a response to our fluff and stuff question as well. What your favorite rainy day movie was. Do you want to say what it is? Yeah, absolutely. So on Instagram at Crow and Yarrow said, what dreams may come or Jurassic Park. It really depends on whether or not I feel like crying for two hours. Beautiful answer. And I've never seen what dreams may come, but now I kind of want to, but I'm not in the mood to cry. So maybe yeah. not today. I Unless haven't... Jurassic Park is the one that makes you cry for two hours, which then I have questions. I mean, I, feel, I would cry just from excitement because I just get so like, ah, it's so good. God. I just, I get so worked up about Jurassic Park that I probably would cry from being so excited, but it's I don't think so that's good. what you're talking about. I think that's just a me <laughs> thing. Probably not. Yes. So yeah, when I want to cry, I will definitely check that movie out. Yes, me too. And I'll also just say that Crow and Arrow, uh, sorry, Crow and Yarrow, I just want to give a shout out to them because um, they are a really cool artist and they do some painting and they do some stuff on the computer as well. um, And it's all really beautiful stuff. So just wanted to get gorgeous things. Yes, spooky things, which I'm all for. So you can go Mm -hmm. check out. Check out their page if you want to see some cool art. Mm-hmm. All right. Are we ready? Mm-hmm. Can I do the thing? Yeah. I want to do the thing. <laughs> okay. Okay, friends. Grab your glass and get cozy. Let's talk about murder. <laughs> tink. Tink. <laughs> a very excited tink. I'm sorry. <laughs> that was adorable. Uh, <laughs> thanks. I don't know. I just really wanted to do that today. Well, that's fine. Mm-hmm. What's in your cup? Well, I discovered today that I don't have any alcohol in my house. Michelle challenged me to the three-shot challenge, which I was like, eh, maybe I'll, I'll do that before our podcast. Um, you know, it's probably a good thing that it, that didn't work out because that would have been awful. But uh, <laughs> anyways, I went to my alcohol cabinet and I had literally one shot of peppermint schnapps and that was it. Everything else was empty. So what I'm drinking <laughs> is hot chocolate and peppermint schnapps because I don't know what else to put that in. Uh, so yeah. yeah. That's pretty much the only thing you put peppermint schnapps in, I think. It's delicious, but I was pretty mm-hmm. disappointed on my selection today, so I'll have to go shopping. Yeah, no kidding. What are you drinking? Um, I'm drinking one of my favorite red wines. Ooh. It's called Extravaganza. Ooh, that sounds fun. It's so fancy. <laughs> so fancy. Got your fancy pants on again today. I do. And, you know, sticking with the theme of the podcast since we talk about murder and merlot i know i know i'm sorry I'm, <laughs> i think about it before every time i record i'm like i'm i'm failing i'm failing at this merlot thing <laughs> i'm i'm now officially out of wine in my house though so i, I have to go shopping as well that's the trouble is i don't want to go out and about but i need to buy booze so i know do what you gotta do i guess thanks covid <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean i didn't really want to go out and about before covid so I know. It, Let's be honest. Really, it's true. I don't, I don't like going out. <laughs> All, All right. right. So wow. you got the mini episode today. I do. You excited? I am. I love this story. It's a good one. And it's twisty and turny and I, 
makes me happy. So, and I'm so excited um, to hear you try to say German names. It's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. I apologize in advance to anybody who has any German background. Um, I'm going to butcher these, I'm sure. So bear with me. I'm going to do my best. I have German roots. Maybe it'll come out. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> I do too. That doesn't mean I can pronounce a shit. <laughs> so if you haven't figured it out, this week we're talking about one of Germany's oldest unsolved murders, the Hinterkaifeck murders. As a general rule, I hate unsolved cases, but this one is so interesting and weird that it sucks you into the madness. I totally agree. I'm the same way. Not really. I don't really like the unsolved, but this case is different. I do really like this case. I like this case and I have a theory. So we'll talk about the theory at the end. Oh, yes. All right. So the Hinterkaifeck farm was located close to the woods outside of the Bavarian town of Groburn, which is about an hour's drive from Munich and a half mile behind the town of Kaifeck. So Hinter in German means behind. So the farm name literally means behind Kaifeck. The family that lived there and their new maid were savagely murdered and found days later by a neighborhood search party. The family was widowed Victoria Gabriel, she was 35, her two children, Kazilia, seven, and Joseph, two, uh, Victoria's parents, Andre Gruber, 63, and Kazilia Gruber, was 72, as well as the maid, Maria Baumgartner, and she was 44. So I'm going to back it up a bit and talk about some of the weird things that were happening at the farm prior to the murders. Six months prior, the original family maid had quit because she believed the farm to be haunted. She'd been hearing strange sounds in the attic, and she kept feeling like she was being watched. Andre had told neighbors about strange occurrences that had happened in the weeks prior as well. Things like a random newspaper had shown up in the house that no one in the family could account for, keys went missing, and there were footprints in the snow coming from the forest behind the farm, but none leading away. Gruber had searched the buildings but found nothing unusual. The family had also repeatedly seen a man with a mustache standing at the edge of the forest staring at them, which is completely normal and nothing to be concerned about, right? Oh, that is why one of my worst nightmares. I know. You see a dude and then he just like disappears into the forest? No, thank you. No, absolutely not. And you keep seeing him and you don't do anything about it? Oh, that's making my skin crawl right now because I just keep having weird things happening around my house. So that is too real. I know. (laughs) I know. Victoria's husband had died in World War I. And since his death, she had been in a relationship with Lawrence Schlitzenbauer. And I love that name. I it's just super fun to say. Sorry, I just really wanted to be like Schlitzenbauer. <laughs> like, it's so fun. <laughs> and I'm probably butchering it. Oh, Still yeah. so sorry, but yes, that's it's great. great. As long as you try. He lived near the family and he was said to be the father of baby Joseph. They had planned on getting married, but Andre had interfered and their relationship ended. He did go on to marry someone else, but he continued to pay child support to Victoria for baby Joseph. Andre likely insisted on ending that relationship because of his own incestuous activities with his daughter. Ew. Ew. Seven years prior to the murders, Andre and Victoria were both convicted of incest in 1915. 
Andre was sentenced to a year in prison and Victoria served one month. There were also other Gruber children, but none other than Victoria made it to adulthood, as Andre was very abusive. And there was speculation that Joseph wasn't the child of Schlittenbauer at all, but that he was actually fathered by Andre, his grandfather. But the true identity of the baby daddy was never found out. Oh, that's awful. I'm getting like thoughts of Joseph Fritzel because the name Joseph is spelt the same way and incest. I know. That's oh, just awful. And that's a case yeah. we'll covering at some point as well. But it's uh, yes. that's a bad one. So Yeah, it's not good. Yeah. At all. No. So on the afternoon of March 31st, 1922, the new maid, Maria Baumgartner, arrived at the farm. So this is her first day. Shit. That same evening, Victoria, seven-year-old Kazilia, Andre, and Kazilia Gruber were lured to the barn, and they were murdered one at a time with a mattock, which is basically a pickaxe from what I could tell. The attacker then went into the house and killed Baumgartner in her bedchamber and baby Joseph, who was sleeping in his bassinet. The bodies were not discovered until four days later. In those four days, there was a fair bit of activity at the farm. On April 1st, two coffee salesmen went to the farm. They knocked on the door and the window of the house, and no one answered. And they walked around the yard, saw that the door to the machine house was open, but they didn't see anyone, so they decided to leave. The family didn't show up for church on Sunday, and the community members found this odd. Incest and abuse aside, they were devoted to their church and never missed a Sunday. On Monday, April 3rd, the postman was delivering the mail, but he found it strange that Saturday's mail was still where he had left it, and no one was in the yard. But the animals were fed, and besides the emptiness, nothing looked out of place. On April 4th, assembler Albert Hoffner went to Hinterkaifeck to repair the engine of the food chopper. He did not see anyone on the property, but made note that he could hear the dog barking in the barn. He did the repair. It took him almost five hours, and still not a single person was seen at the farm. When he was back in town, he started telling people about the eeriness at the farm. And this, coupled with the family's absence in church and young Kazilia's unexplained absence from school, Lawrence Schlittenbauer, Victoria's former lover and possible father of Joseph, decides to send his sons to the farm to see if they could see anyone around there. The boys reported back that they didn't see anyone. Schlittenbauer then decides to make up a small search party. Himself and neighbors Michael Pohl and Jacob Sigel <laughs> headed to Hinterkaifeck later that same day. The three men discovered the bodies in the barn and reportedly Schlittenbauer who did not even seem phased by the bodies, started moving them looking for his son. Soon the bodies in the house were discovered as well. Police were called, and Inspector George Reingruber was the lead detective from the Munich Police Department. Before police were able to secure the crime scene, the bodies had been handled and moved, multiple people were in and out of the scene, items had been moved, and people even cooked and ate meals in the kitchen. That is so, so frustrating. <laughs> yeah. So, like, everything is screwed up. Come on, so people. not helpful to the investigators. The day after the bodies were discovered, the court physician came and performed the autopsies in the barn. They determined that a mattock was likely the murder weapon, but there was no actual weapon found at the scene. And the autopsy results were as follows. 
Andre Gruber had the right half of his face smashed, cheekbones protruding, flesh seemed shredded, and face was caked with blood. Kazilia Gruber had bruising near the right eye, seven blows to her head, one in a triangular shape, signs of strangulation, and her skull was cracked. Victoria Gabriel had nine star-shaped wounds to the head, strangulation marks on the neck, right side of her face was smashed with a blunt object, and a small round injury of a pointed tool to the upper skull and a smashed skull. Kazilia Gruber's, or Gabriel's, sorry, Kazilia Gabriel's, she was a seven-year-old, um, her lower jaw was shattered. She had a cervical injury due to shock, severe head injuries. Um, her skull was smashed with several blows and her neck revealed a wide gaping transverse wound. And on the right of her face was a circular wound and her face was smeared with blood. Maria Baumgartner was killed by crosswise blows to the head, face crusted with blood. One head wound was four centimeters deep and blood encrusted probably resulted from a sharp hoe. And baby Joseph was killed by a heavy blow in the face and the top of his bassinet was destroyed. Poor oh. baby Joseph. That just sounds so angry. Like, so angry. Usually, like, I look for which person had the worst brutal damage or, mm -hmm. like, injuries inflicted on them. But each of them are really... They're all pretty brutal. They're all very brutal. So it's that's mm -hmm. very interesting. And usually, if they're really brutal like it's a that's a personal thing i know um the report was missing estimated times of death however and this this part's really rough so sorry um it's known that young kazilia died last and likely either watched her family members be murdered or saw the bodies around her they know this because in her hands were clumps of her own hair that she'd torn out as she laid in the straw dying oh my god mm. I know. The corpses were all beheaded after the autopsies were performed and the skulls were sent to Munich for further testing. They were also supposedly given to clairvoyants in an attempt to learn more about the massacre. The skulls were then kept in a justice building in Augsburg and destroyed in the Allied bombings in World War II. This, of course, means that all six victims were buried without their heads, which... I find one of the creepiest details of the entire case. Yeah, that just seems so wrong. It bad, bothers me. Bad vibes, bad vibes. Like, so not okay. Police initially thought that this was likely the result of a robbery, but after a large sum of money was found in the house, they decided that robbery was an unlikely motive. They also learned that the murderer, or murderers, they could not rule out that this was done by only one person had stayed at the farm for several days. The livestock had been fed and cared for, all the bread and meat was eaten in the kitchen, and neighbors had reported smoke coming from the chimney all weekend. And so that means if they stayed there, that means they stayed there with the bodies. It is, uh, this case is so creepy. Right? I, oh, I don't know. It's gotta be a personal thing for them to mm -hmm. do that brutal absolutely brutal killing of all those people and then be comfortable enough to just just chill and just do right? their thing for days and, and like the animals make sure the cows are fed and you know milked and stuff yeah <laughs> so who did these horrific things more than a hundred suspects have been questioned over the years but no arrests were ever made the most interesting of suspects 
were Carl Gabriel and Lawrence Schlitzenbauer. Carl Gabriel was Victoria's husband, who had been killed in World War I, but his body was never found. There were rumors that he had not, in fact, died and came home to find out about Victoria's indiscretions and two-year-old Joseph, who was born in his absence and went into a rage and killed them all. This theory, though, was discarded after people who served with him confirmed that Gabriel had been killed by a mine shell, even going so far as to describe his body after the shell hit as this. Gabriel was on his back, his skull slightly split open, his mouth opened, through which they were able to see the damage to his lower jaw, but despite this, he was easily recognized. Lawrence Schlittenbauer, Victoria's former lover, Joseph's potential baby daddy, neighbor, and leader of the search party, is the other significant person of interest. He came under scrutiny early on in the investigation by both locals and detectives. Red flag number one was when he arrived at the farm with the search party and found the bodies. He did not seem phased by the appearance of them and immediately disturbed the scene and moved the bodies. He also unlocked the house and went in alone. Remember that Andre had said that keys had gone missing. Now, it is possible that he had a key given his relationship with Victoria, but who knows? Mm-hmm. The other men had found it strange that he went into the house alone when there very well could have been a murderer lurking inside, but he said he was looking for his son. So, I mean, I would be looking for my kid too. Yeah, I get that. Right? Yeah. yeah. Now, a few weeks prior, Schlittenbauer and his wife had had a baby, but the baby died. And it's theorized that after the death of his child, he got angry that he was paying child support for a child that was likely not even his. And he went off the rails and murdered the whole Gruber family. His family had even said that they were unsure of his whereabouts after the baby died. He just disappeared for days and then returned with no explanations. Police were never able to get any evidence to convict him, and he was allowed to go free. Schlittenbauer died in 1941, and prior to his death, he had won several civil suits for slander against people who described him as the murderer of Hinterkaifeck. In 1923, the farm was demolished, and at this time, the mattock used as the murder weapon was found below the floorboards of the house. Once the farm was cleared away, a memorial was set up on the property, and there's also a memorial in the Weidhofen Cemetery. In 2007, the Feldbrook. Police Academy reopened the Hinterkaifeck murders as a cold case. But due to lost evidence, very basic forensic techniques, and the later deaths of some suspects, they were not able to conclusively identify the murderer. However, they were able to eliminate all but one suspect, leaving them with a pretty solid idea who the killer was. But out of respect for surviving family members, they never released the name. I have a feeling I know what that name is. Yeah. So that's. That's Hinterkaifeck in a nutshell. I, uh, my sources for this were the Morbid Podcast because they covered it and did an amazing job. Uh, Wikipedia, mentalfloss.com, ranker.com, and defrostingcoldcases.com. Very nice. So what do you think? I love this story. It's so good. Uh, Schlittenbauer, that's my number one suspect, I would say. Um, Mine too. <laughs> and, yeah, for, for multiple reasons. Like, I mean, I could see, like when you said, you know, he went into the house looking for his son. I, I could see that. I could see him, you know, <laughs> moving the bodies and that kind of stuff if he was looking for his son. That's that's absolutely fair. But just 
a lot of things just seem very suspect. I'm pretty sure even if I was looking for my kids and I saw that scene, I would probably throw up. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, And he, he had no big response to the scene or anything like that when he discovered it. And also we know that, what am I trying to say here? When guilty people, they discover Mm -hmm. the bodies, Mm -hmm. they always Mm -hmm. bring somebody else with them. So they're not alone when they discover the bodies. And he's the one that formed the search party and then went in and and discovered the bodies. So yeah, that was not that, not the DNA was a thing in 1922, but he was there. He disturbed the scene. Like, so obviously his hair, his fingerprints, whatever, mm-hmm. his boot prints are going to be there. Yeah, absolutely. So. And he's obviously very comfortable with the house. You know, that would make sense if he was in there for multiple days, eating the food, feeding the animals, all of that kind of stuff. It sounds like that would probably be the person that would, that would be comfortable. And if he'd had a, a relationship with Victoria, he would have known the farm. He would have known their routine. Like all of those things made sense to me. I loved the theory though about her husband. Oh yeah. I loved it. Cause it's like, maybe he didn't die and he's right? like wandering through the forest and he's like, wait a sec. Yeah. What is it? I didn't leave a two year old behind. <laughs> yeah. How often do you have a dead person as a suspect? Like that's so funny. Right? So fascinating. But and, yeah, he was ruled out. But it is fun to think about. Yes. I do um, love the the little details, like the footprints going into the house and then not leaving yeah. the house. I, those Like, where did they go? Right. And, and then I question, was that Schlittenbauer the whole time? Like, was he just being like a creep? Right. Or what? And like the fact that Andre had, had searched the farm and he hadn't found anything, but I had read that when he was searching because he'd had like an incestuous relationship with Victoria that, you know, they would go and roll around in the hay and stuff. And so like the hay in the barn would be disturbed and it wouldn't have even phased him, which right. barf. Um, that's <laughs> disgusting. It's so gross. But I guess. Yeah. But then like, did he get into the house then and like creep out the maid six months before that? Right. I have so, yeah. So I think it's very likely that it was Schlittenbauer, but there's so many other things like, right. And was he there the whole time or is the house haunted or who is a man standing in the bushes and disappearing? Right. You would think if it was Schlittenbauer, then they would recognize him. Right. But then would a stranger commit these brutal crimes like against this entire family without knowing them? No. Right. No. And the person, like you said earlier, like the person who had the most damage to her body was Victoria. So if Schlittenbauer was angry at her, mm-hmm. it would make sense that he just went off the rails and like, like also the fact that her. he lured people in one at a time mm-hmm. is like to kill them is just disturbing. Oh, so, oh, so creepy. And like, what did I read? They said that they'd done like scream tests. So you couldn't hear people screaming in the barn from the house, but you could see like animal disturbances. Oh. So he would be like, go and like chase the cows or something. And the cows would be a ruckus and they'd like send somebody out to go look for it. Right. And when they didn't come back, they'd be like, well, something's happening. Send another one out. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Right? <sighs> 
such you a just picture them though like in 1922 standing in that barn screaming and seeing if like somebody in the house is like no i don't i don't hear you i know i <laughs> i was thinking about that <laughs> oh that's a very weird thing to have to do <laughs> yeah and i mean the whole family was a clusterfuck of a mess man but one of the theories was that andre had actually done it but the nature of the injuries they he couldn't have done that to himself right yeah yeah, I think at the beginning of the story when you start explaining everything, it's like, oh, yeah, well, he seems like an absolute creep and maybe he had something to do with it, but with his injuries on the autopsy report, not likely. <laughs> no, no. And even, like, the the detail of, like, hiding the, the murder weapon in the floorboards in the house, like... Right? Yeah, that's also really cool. So creepy. many things. Like, ah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I have a theory, like I said. I think it's Schlittenbauer, but... Right. I don't, there's so many unanswered things. Can't say for sure. Can't condemn somebody just on a theory, but. And I did really appreciate that, like, they had ruled out all of these other people and they had, like, a pretty good idea, but they didn't want to upset the family. Right. Now, because what really, what's it going to do? Exactly. And they can't be like, yes, it was this person, but you don't have a trial. You don't have anything like that. Like, exactly. you you can't really do that. So you have, like, shit for evidence because it all got disturbed. Exactly. So right. Yeah. So no, that that makes sense. It's good that they respected the surviving family members and didn't really. Yeah. That, but but yes. come on, tell us. <laughs> I know. I just I, I want to know all the things. I know. And uh, Germany's always been on my bucket list for where I want to travel. Same. And uh, obviously, the Hinterkaifeck Memorial was going to be on that list now. So absolutely, I have such a vivid picture in my mind of what that farmyard looks like and everything. But I know. <sighs> yeah. I mean, I've looked at a lot of pictures of it too, so maybe but. that's where I'm getting it from. <laughs> but it's so fascinating. Uh, yeah, we could that's do a murder and reload tour to Germany. To Germany, <laughs> my German is not great. <laughs> Let's just say that. Hear, did you hear that? Like, <laughs> that's okay. You did great. <laughs> also, one of my favorite German names is Gruber, but it's only because of Die Hard. Ah, yes, yes. Hans Gruber. Hans Gruber. I like how many Gruber, like, I feel like there was multiple names in here that were like there was, Gruber. Like yes, the, the detective was something Gruber. Yes. And then there's like uh, the family of Grubers. Ryan Gruber. Uh, yeah. Then I think yeah. there was a name of a town or something like that was also something that, oh, Groburn or something like Groburn. that. Groburn. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's all very similar. Uh, super fun. Yes. Very yeah, nice. So- what are your guys' theories on this? Do you have the same yes. thoughts as we do, or do you have a totally other theory? Like, I want to know. I want to know. Yeah, tell thoughts. us. And I know, like, this has come up in conversation about, like, favorite unsolved cases. Yeah, absolutely. Way, way back in our, in our questions, so that's one of, was one of the answers was the Hinterkaifeck, so. And didn't somebody recommend this as a mini-sode when we asked for it? I'm pretty sure somebody did. Probably. Well, Maybe. I'm quite certain somebody mentioned this case and I was like, damn, you want us to try to speak German? That's going to be fun, but you did a good job. Challenge accepted. <laughs> Belle did it. She went for it. In it to win it, man. Yeah, absolutely. Super fun. So you ready for some fluff and stuff? I'm ready. All right. So today's question is, how is COVID-19 affecting your summer plans? Or just what are your summer plans? 
Well, let's see. Uh, well, they're definitely affecting my soccer schedule. Not, mm-hmm. not happy about that, but I am supposed to have a tournament in Kelowna at the very end of July. So fingers Ooh, crossed. Fingers I would crossed. love to go to that. I'm really looking forward to that. So mm-hmm. hopefully. Um, and then as well, I found out a couple days ago that I'm going to be a bridesmaid to one of my best <laughs> friend's wedding. And I'm so excited. Yay, that's yeah. exciting. Yeah. When's the wedding? Uh, in August. They're just getting to it. Love it. That's yeah. excellent. So I'm so excited. Um, yeah, both the bride and the groom, they're my best friends. So I'm just like, Oh, I love that. That's and, excellent. And Wiley's in the wedding too. So I'm, I'm very excited about that. That'll be such a good time. I know. What are your plans? Uh, well, I'm also in a wedding, but it's next week. Yeah. So Esty's getting married and I get to stand up with him and which is awesome because we've known each other since kindergarten and I used to make him eat dirt. Aw. And he awesome. still is my best friend and we love each other in a completely platonic way. Uh, <laughs> Yes, of course. <laughs> and I'm super excited to be able to stand up with them. And they had to change their wedding so much because of COVID that they uh, shrunk it down. It's just going to be in their backyard. And then they rebooked their one-year anniversary, same venue and stuff. So we're going to do all of our fancy pictures and stuff next year. Yes. The COVID thing has affected so many people's weddings and I feel I for know. them. I have so I many know. friends getting married this year and having to push it back or having to really change their plans. And I just feel so bad. I know. It's supposed to be like the happiest day of your life and the virus ruins it. But right? And it's not you know stressful what? enough anyways. And now there's a freaking <laughs> pandemic and information and rules change every single day. So you're every like, day. what am I supposed to do? Right? And... Yes. But, and usually we go camping, which we don't have any plans to go camping at this point because we tent camp. So we always need a place that has a bathroom because I have two tiny people. Yes. So currently we have no plans to go camping. We might go like camp at my family's coolie east of town. Yeah. But let me tell you the mosquitoes, I can't, I can't handle it. It's ridiculous. Oh my God. I I don't know. I have, do I always lie to myself that like I'm always like, oh, summer's the best time of the year. Nothing's better than Alberta summers. But then I immediately am reminded the that the mosquitoes ruin everything, especially oh, when you're allergic to mosquito spray. Like I am. It's the worst. You're allergic to literally everything. Everything. So I'm I've been very mad about it in the last couple of days because I can't go outside without getting eaten alive. So stupid. I know, I know. And they love me and they love my daughter. My son thinks that they love him. He's like, I'm itchy. I have one mosquito bite. And I'm like, kid, your sister and I are covered. Sounds yeah. like a, a boy thing. <laughs> yeah. It's like I'm itchy. And this is the worst. <laughs> <laughs> He's a little princess, but it's fine. Yeah, I love him. Yeah, he was so cute. I, I'm going to tell the story. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like putting my laundry away in my closet and my son was helping me. And he all of a sudden starts talking to my mic, which is still set up. And he says, hi, Tara. And he starts talking into my mic like he's talking to Tara. So I asked him, I was like, are you doing a podcast with Tara? And he's like, yeah, mom. And I was like, what's your podcast about? And he's like, Wreck-It Ralph. And I was like, okay, buddy. <laughs> 
It was the cutest thing I've ever seen. And I am, I am not a kid person. I don't, I usually don't have those feelings, but I watched that video and I started to tear up because I'm like, oh my God, that tiny human wants to talk to me and podcast to me. And it was so cute. Oh my God. So cute. And I was like, they don't even watch me podcast. They just know that that's they that's know. what it's for. It's so cute. This is, it's been multiple times where they've had, they've come up with their own podcasts and they've, yeah, they're all about it. Oh yeah. And they ask me every week, you listening to your podcast, mom? Or whose podcast are you listening to? <laughs> I feel like they have a better understanding about podcasts than my parents do. <laughs> oh, totally. Totally. It's because it's what they're, what they're growing up with, right? Exactly. It's hilarious. Yeah, exactly. Oh God, they're cute. Yes. So fun. <laughs> All right. Well, make sure to answer our question. Um, and obviously let us know what you think about the episode. Tell us your theories. We want to know who you think caused the Hinterkaifeck massacre. We want to know. You can email us at murderandmerlot at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram at Murder and Merlot Podcast, Facebook at Murder and Merlot Podcast, and Twitter at Murder Merlot One. You can listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and pretty much anywhere else you can find podcasts. We would love if you subscribed, and if you don't, you're dead to me. And just remember, we are doing two books for our next book episodes, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, Styling for Time by Gary Nosner and Waco, a Survivor Story by David Thibodeau. So good. Let me tell you guys. So, so good. Either or, you just want to choose one to read or whatever, they're both fantastic. If you want more information about Waco itself, then probably the survivor story has more information about the whole thing, but Stalling for Time as well. Fantastic. Very, very interesting book about FBI negotiating. So either or great choice, but hopefully you will listen to our episode about that. I'm so excited. Yeah. Read along and hang out with us. Exactly. There will be a mini-sode between now and and then because I need some time Mm -hmm. to put my thoughts together about Waco because Mm -hmm. it's a lot. It is a lot. It's a lot. So (laughs) so yeah, we'll have one more mini episode and then hopefully Waco. Yeah, yeah. All right. So remember to drink wine because it's not good to keep things bottled up. Bye. Bye.